You're listening to Breaking Marketing, where we uncover the cutting-edge strategies disrupting the marketing industry. Join host Leanna Ling, CEO of AdSkills, as she takes you behind the scenes to access insider knowledge from industry leaders and innovators pushing and breaking the boundaries of marketing. Are you ready to discover the secrets of the marketing elite? Let's begin Breaking Marketing. Yeah, let's go. Well, hello, it's Leanna Ling, and welcome back to another episode of Breaking Marketing. Today, I am really excited to have my good friend, Ross Brezovar here. He is the owner of AROI Marketing, which is Automation Plus Marketing, on the beautiful island of Aruba, which is where we all want to be right now, because I'm in the middle of winter at the time that we are recording. So thank you for bringing the warmth and the sunshine, as you always do, Ross. It's great to have you here. Thank you. That's my goal. So I thought, let's dive in a little bit because I think that your story is just so interesting in terms of how you're basically dominating where you are in Aruba and expanding now. And and you have been, I didn't even realize this, you know, before until we started chatting, like you're basically um, behind the guy behind the scenes of some, some pretty big brands. I think what you're doing is just really, really interesting. Um, why don't you tell us a little bit about what you're doing there um, in Aruba and also like how you're expanding, you know, be beyond those borders. Oh yeah, I'd love to. Well, I think I should start off by saying that the gray hair is definitely from the fact that I've been doing this now for over 20 years. Uh, our company will celebrate in two weeks from tomorrow, 23 years in existence. Congratulations. That That is huge. That's huge. It is. And I think it, it says a lot to the team that we have. Um, and now you can imagine 23 years ago, there wasn't a lot going on. I think I was one of two companies on the island that actually was building websites. And, um, you know, it, it gives you this, the, the sort of the strength and the power to adapt as you need to because the, the market changes so quickly. It, it changes a lot quicker now than it used to. Back in 20 years ago, just getting people to say that they even know what a website is, why they need one. Uh, then mobile marketing came along. Um, I had probably one of my easiest sells. I'll have to explain that to you one time um, it, for mobile marketing. And then you know, with software development and moving forward, trying to get more use out of my degree in information technologies is trying to figure out better ways to make things more efficient, but also more effective. Mm -hmm. And um, one of, when we incorporated in 2015 is when I moved back here to Aruba and um, ran into the owner of Domino's Pizza. And I had found out that, you know, he was frustrated with the agency that they were working with. And I said, well, we can support you. We tried to help him with some projects, but then he decided to go with the largest one on the island. And that lasted about three months until he figured out that every time he picked up the phone, he was getting charged 15 minutes that they were building by the you know 15 minute slots. So he came back to me and said, you know, I like that idea that you had about a retainer, you know, a set amount every month. And I said, yes, that helps both of us. We can both budget a lot easier. Um, and I made sure that I, I, I gave a really good price because my goal then was um, to, to build up my agency. Uh, before that was just a sole proprietorship, just me doing stuff with some of the team we had. And knowing that Domino's Pizza is a brand that globally no one on the planet has never heard of. So I knew that that would be well worth it to have in my, my portfolio. Um, so we worked it out. And, and coming up next month is seven years now. We've been doing pretty much everything you can imagine uh, right. for them whether it's TV, right. radio, yeah. um, social media. So let me stop you there for a moment because I don't know too many agencies that can say they've had a client for even three years or five years and you've had a client now for seven years. So what's your secret there? 
Well, I, I will say that I think one of the biggest things is service. Um, we, we've got just our team is amazing at how, how quickly they're able to not only respond, but also to take care of issues, regardless of what it is, almost to a fault. And I think that's why some of the I mentioned earlier about babysitting services, because with clients, especially big clients like this, you, you've, you've got to be available. Um, and of course, when you know what hits the fan, you, you jump into action, regardless of the time or day. But then it gets to the point where stupid little things will come up at 11 o'clock at night and one of the big resorts will send a message and you're like, really now on a Friday night? Um, but I think services is, is probably the best. Um, I'll give you a great example. When I met with the owner of the franchise, uh, Domino's, um, about a year or so ago, I asked him, I said, what happens if something happens to you? Like, you know, the company, the business, everything else. So he explained, he said, yeah, but I've got a great team. They could take, you know, keep going. The family would just continue with it. But then he turns to me and he says, you know, I'm actually more worried if something happens to you. And I said, why me? He said, well, because you guys handle things with corporate that I don't even know how it works or what you do with, because we, we, we manage the online app and the website uh, with all the promotions and stuff. He said, if something happened to you, I would not know where to start. So he says, I think you're actually more valuable in that, in this relationship. And I was like, well, I appreciate that. But I also know that I also have a good team that could just continue on if, if something ever happens. So it just goes to show that the relationship is strong because we continually provide the best service that we possibly can. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think that's a really interesting situation because, you know, and there's more and more stuff with AI, there's more and more automation. I mean, you're all about automation plus marketing, right? right. Yet you also have you know, big emphasis on the personalization, the service, which a lot of people think that's very manual, right? And, and to put that personal touch there. And I'm just personally seeing that is the more we automate, the more people also really appreciate that extra personal touch too. And I, I can, how many times have I been on the chat just checking it out and somebody goes, is this a real person? I don't want to talk to a bot, right? Are you, are you real? And then I say they're real. I'm like, okay, I just wanted to know that. And now I'm going to buy, right? Yep. Yep. I totally agree with you. Yeah. Um, yeah. So do, please continue. I mean, I think I just thought that was a really interesting um, no, point no, there. No worries. I, and I think that, you know, um, the, the one of the things that we pride ourselves on is, is how um, flexible, but also how forward thinking we are. Um, so when COVID hit, obviously everyone was like, what are we going to do? And we did a complete pivot, um, which, you know, we were obviously forced to. We saw a lot of businesses st uh, struggling. So we figured, how can we help the restaurant industry? And, um, and as a matter of fact, this is how we met Jeff, um, our, our close friend, and um, uh, was because of this. And because we sold right away, one of the first things we did, we ended up selling both Benihana and Hooters, an online ordering system that allowed them to do delivery and takeout because a lot of restaurants, especially here, did not have that. Domino's was in a great position because that's all, they're all about delivery, right? So right. The systems were in place, the people were in place, so it wasn't as big of a, of a changeover, but a lot of the other restaurants could not do that. And um, so we've been working with them since 2020, um, just because of that one thing. And now they have a new manager. So he's asking us to implement a lot more things, both the social media management, uh, but also with you know a delivery of QR code systems so that people can join their, their Hoot Club, you know, VIP club. Um, so that automation again comes into play because it allows them to offer more things because of our, our background and our experience. Mm -hmm. So, but we have, we have a lot of clients. Um, and I mean, our, 
economy, 98% of our economy is on tourism. So you can imagine we have hotel clients. Uh, Marriott is one of our clients uh, with the casino, uh, which is an area that's very interesting. But we have a woman on our team who used to work in marketing in a casino here and, and because of COVID fell away and was not able to, the casino closed. So that was to our benefit. And mm -hmm. it really, really supported us because now we have a, a tremendously strong person uh, on our team but also has that experience. Um, so it allows us to go after these larger names because of our experience. Right. You know, and I think it's, um, you know, I think some people when they're in a small community, I mean, you're on an island and then some people are in maybe a very small community in their area. They just might think, oh, I can only service a couple of different people, but you've really pivoted to be able to service a number of different um company just because you're trying to make the most of where you are and now you're able to expand because you have this tremendous amount of experience. I think that's a bit opposite to what, you know, we kind of teach a lot of other people who are starting on business and you have to niche down. And I mean, I, I do, you know, I see a lot of power in that, but we don't see too many people who are saying, Hey, I'm just going to dominate this area, you know, with all this different, the, just the variety of things you can do. Right. And I, I think that's a good point you make because, I mean, we're sort of forced. I mean, we literally are 19 miles long by seven miles wide. So yeah. by a geographic, you know, we are a small market. Um, but that doesn't mean that we can't expand. Our operations manager now moved to Curacao, which is the island next door. So we have plans to expand there as well. And of course, take advantage of the fact that I've got team members in other countries that also want to expand their own in their own area with our support. Mm -hmm. um, so that's one of the big reasons why fulfillment is so important to us uh, so that we can help other marketers like we're doing now uh, with like Google business Pro profiles and a few other things from California all the way to Canada. So that is important for us because it allows us to have, you know, sort of uh, tentacles in uh, different areas and sort of be opportunistic when things come available. Uh, mm -hmm. I think the Marriott uh, Casino was one of those that we didn't expect to have or just expect to go after. But like you mentioned, you can't niche down here. It's, mm -hmm. it's, it's, I mean, if you do, you're going to be, you know, a very small player right. in a small niche. So how do you, like, how do you manage that with your team? Because again, most people will say, okay, I'm going to, cause I do this, you know, I stick to one industry. I build all the templates with that. I streamline my operations. So I know I can fulfill and, and with quality and with efficiency. Um, whereas, you know, I would imagine if you have to be able to serve all these different things and pivot, I'm thinking, do you have to have all these different specialists on your team? Like what, how do you approach that where, you know, you don't end up with, you know, a ton of different specialists on your team and it just kind of bogging everybody down because you have to learn something new all the time. Um, I do think that a lot of this comes down to uh, what the foundation is. So I'll give you a great example. Um, one of our clients from last year is the Aruba Trade and Industry Association. They have about 150 businesses as a client, as, as members. And we decided to join and then they invited me over. I ended up doing a workshop and then they became a client of ours. And we handle all their registration funnels for all their workshops and all their things. Well, that registration funnel, because it's automation, especially in the tool that we use, we now have a new client, which is the largest, I want to say nonprofit organization, but they're, they're not a typical nonprofit like the YMCA or something like that. They're the ones that go knocking on the big doors in Europe and the US and bring in $100,000 or $250,000 worth of an investment that they can then apply toward either a localized project that's specific or to help out with 
other projects or other nonprofits that don't have capacity to get that kind of funding. Um, so they just took over a government project at the end of last year where they're going to manage 11 neighborhood uh, centers. And they've chosen us to help them with their automation and setup for their CRM personally within their, their organization. And then they want us to apply that to all of the 11 neighborhood centers so that it allows them the capacity to invite people to do you know, a, a certain event, uh, be able to track the information that comes and goes. But the registration funnel that we've used for ATIA, the Trade and Industry Association, I can just as easily use somewhere else. And there's just the change over using custom fields that allows us to just quickly change who it is and what they're doing. And then they can go in and make changes to the text and the email and such. Mm -hmm. So I think it comes down to more what exactly you're offering that you can then use across the board. And it doesn't matter what niche you're in. Mm -hmm. Right. So you're basically creating a similar backbone and then that enables you to pivot very quickly depending on the different industries. Absolutely. And we just like last week, we gave a two hour, two and a half hour training to this organization, the nonprofit. Mm -hmm. And it was as much a training about the system, but also about understanding their processes. Mm -hmm. And there was good communication back and forth, even within them, their, themselves to understand what the process they do now that they may have mm -hmm. to change. So that makes it easier and more efficient for them, but then also taking advantage of the, mm -hmm. of the CRM. Right. So you learn right then and there when you're actually training them to use a system and then we can come back, make some adjustments and, you know, move forward. So, right. And I noticed something too, whenever um, I talk to you about processes and systems, you always hone in on, well, what's the goal? What's the, and here you also talked about, well, let's also take a look what their purpose is. Um, and there's so many tools and systems out there. So it sounds like that's, that's really um, your go-to in terms of helping, helping people just kind of figure out what you're supposed to do and how to design it versus other people going, well, there's like 5 million different tools. Let's just try this and, you know, kind of hope it works. <laughs> yeah, I think you're right. But it's funny because it's my go-to line when I'm, I'm with a prospective client always is, where are you today and where do you want to go? Right. That's That for me is the most educational thing. Whatever they tell me, I'm able, especially when I'm in sales mode, right? I'm trying to get them as a client is to understand where they are and what they're struggling with. And, and I'm sure many people that have been doing this as long as, as I have or even longer would say the same thing. But the idea in my mind is how can I creatively help them get from where they say they are today, where they want to be, um, not just from tech or you know efficiency type of thing, but also you know what's the biggest impact that would help them get there and do it quicker and something that we can support. So mm -hmm. that to me is usually the, the starting of that conversation. So please tell me more, and then I can then you know use my creativeness to say these are the the, the avenues I believe we should travel to Absolutely. help you get there. Yeah, I am 100% agreement with you on that. I think the more people that really focus on that, especially as the world gets busier and busier and busier with AIs and tools and stuff, you have to be able to do that um, as a consultant, as a company, you know, to help steer the way and manage the way for them um, sort well, of in I, this I craziness. You, with my 30 plus years in the hospitality industry, that's where I cut my teeth. Um, that makes it easier for me also to have a, a good communication with this industry, because I've been there, I've done everything from bar back behind the bar all the way to assistant general manager. So the, the conversations are easier to have that way. Mm -hmm. But I've also found that if I were to niche and say, I'm going to only do hotels, which would make sense, right? Because of my background and experience. But I also find that every hotel has different infrastructure. They have, you know, one hotel has the reservation supervisor helping us with social media. Why? I don't know. But then you have another hotel that does it completely different. 
And also their goals are different, right? So like in Aruba, we have a lot of timeshare resorts. So they deal not just with the, the people like yourself, if you're coming here and staying here, but owners. So these are people that invested to actually own a piece of time versus maybe a Marriott, uh, which actually has timeshare too. But the, 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 the point here is that it doesn't really necessarily mean that if you're niching, that it's all going to be easier because you still sit down with that GM or that, that person that you're trying to sell and their goals are going to be way different than the next person to the next person. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so I wanted to switch gears a moment because I've heard you talk about um, some of the events that you've run. And I know you've talked a little bit about this other event that you did with Kiwanis where you had a phenomenal night and I never had a chance to ask you about the details. And I selfishly want to ask you because I was really curious uh, if you could walk us through what you did for that event. Um, you know, I think also people think, oh, it's a small island. It's you're only going to be capped at like, you know, raising a certain amount of money or getting a certain number of people because it's small. And, and so that's why that really keeps sticking out in my mind. And I know you've mentioned a couple of times. I just, I want to just ask you, you know, if you could spill some of the details about that. I was really curious. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's funny. Um, now, for those that don't know, Kiwanis is a global organization, right? And there are clubs all throughout the world. Um, it's funny. I, my first year in Kiwanis, which about seven years ago, I went to the international event, uh, which I believe actually was in Toronto. Um, and I remember as a first year, I was going there to educate myself. So I was going to these different workshops. And one of the workshops was about fundraising, which I love doing. So I wanted to go in there and listen and hear what everyone else was doing. And all these people were talking about their great success with this and with that. And they were saying, oh, we raised $2,000 in this one pancake breakfast, or we did roses for Valentine's and we raised $1,500. And then when they got to me and I was like, I, I almost felt embarrassed to like say anything. Um, this, this year, February is our 24th uh, annual masquerade party, except for COVID, of course, we didn't have. Um, so as like Mardi Gras in the United States, we have carnival here every year. Uh, we have the event and it's a fundraiser. It is strictly a fundraiser. We get everything donated as far as the you know prizes, costume prizes and that kind of stuff. And, um, and then we, we cover the costs of the, the convention center and that. And when they asked me, I said, well, our best project is a one night masquerade event where we might raise $140,000 from ticket sales. And I mean, everyone in the room just went. <laughs> yes. <laughs> who, is this, who is this guy? I'm like, I, and I'm a newbie. I, I, I don't know enough, <laughs> but I was like, almost embarrassed to say because everyone else was so excited about what they've done. And, and we do stand out. We're one of the largest clubs in this entire region, which is actually part of the Eastern Canadian and Caribbean uh, district. Um, and of course we do raise a lot of funds. And to your point about this being a small island, um, it, it makes sense that one, carnival is very important to the locals, the people that grew up here uh, with carnival every year. Uh, but ours is a very particular type of event where we have three or four of the best bands that come to play, everyone's dressed in just the most bizarre, you know. My very first year, I was part of a foursome that did Kiss, you know, the, the rock group, so we were all- Which one were you? Um, I, you know, that's a good question. I had the one with the star on his face, I think it was- um, Okay. I don't know, but they're actually using that uh, that picture as our advertisement oh, this year. Oh, I need I, to see that picture. Did you stick your tongue out? And <laughs> Yeah, it's, uh, it's very interesting. Um, <laughs> But to your point or to your question, um, we this is the first year we're going digital. Uh, we used mm-hmm. to print 
tickets. We did a, like a local bank that would you know, pay uh, and cover the cost. So my company, uh, when, they, when they talked about it, I said, well, we have developed something that we could use. We have no problem with donating it. So we have our name on, the, on every ticket that goes out. Mm-hmm. Um, so we've actually created a digital platform that allows people to um, let us know. So they're requesting a ticket. They're okay. letting us know because um, we don't really have true e-commerce here. Um, we have like one payment processor that nobody likes to use because it's expensive or the banks. Um, so they either do cash in hand or bank transfer. Mm-hmm. Well, you can't automate that, right? Because by the time you finally get to sit down and do the bank transfer, then you have to send us, you know. So the way we have it set up is you basically are requesting a ticket. The system knows who you are, assigns you a ticket number and gives you 14 days for payment. Then when you've made payment, you can send that payment receipt to uh, the accounting firm that's collecting all this for us. And then they go inside, they log into the bank account, they verify that we have in fact received your payment. And then they just go to our system and say, yes, Ross has paid and it'll generate the ticket and send it to them digitally. And then what will happen now is that when we go to enter, they have a single use QR code that we'll scan when they enter in and they'll get access to the system. And it's funny, they came to us last week and asked, because we're doing so many raffles um, and we typically do the drawing prior to the event because during the event, everyone's partying and having a good time. No one wants to stop and see who won the fruit basket, right? So um, we do that in advance, but what we're trying to come up with now is a solution that when I scan and I know that you're one of the winners that it notifies us. Oh, nice. Trying to figure out how that, yeah, that way that right away, we know you're one of the winners. We can give it to you right away. Sure. And because the rest of the night, usually in the manual system is, figure out how many people are there, figure out where the ticket is. And then we have right. to go find these people. That's not easy. Yeah. So. yeah. Yeah. So it sounds like you really streamlined it. Um, I obviously it was, it's an event that people really wanted to go to, but I love how you just blew their minds. Everybody's like, Oh, I'm raising 1500 and you're like uh, 140, you know? Yeah. I love that flex. That's awesome. <laughs> so, you know, in terms of the hospitality industry and, and today's industry, and now we're kind of coming out of this crazy time, what do you see are, you know, kind of the biggest challenges that they're facing as we're, we're trying to just get back to quote unquote, whatever normal is now? Yeah. I think it is the same everywhere um, in the U.S. as, as well um, is, is labor. Um, I think a lot of the hotels and the casinos that either close or restaurants that closed, um, people were able to pick up in other areas, but there's still, I, I see that too many of our clients are still putting out, we need a busser, we need somebody in the kitchen, we need, you know, reservationists, we need, you know, and uh, one of our clients just posted, and I, I just happened to see it because we don't do their social media, but they, they were, there must have been like 15, 18 open positions they were trying to fill. and wow. and. and that's not good, obviously, because from a service standpoint, obviously Aruba is well known for our service. But at the same time, there's also building that's going on or has been going on prior to COVID uh, with new hotels opening that I'm not sure how we're going to you know, cover that labor-wise. Um, mm-hmm. So I think that is one of the biggest challenges. And why is that important from us for marketers is because who, you know, who is on their staff now that can actually help us with doing it, right? Because I can't create a hotel's content because obviously it's very specific to their activities, what their amenities are, what they offer. And of course their, their facilities, there needs to be somebody there. That's our, our liaison to help us. And um, they lost two good people that used to be, you know, who we are now. And luckily they did find someone who's really stepped up, but Mm -hmm. I think that's a big challenge for a lot of us is that, you know, and I'm very fortunate. I I think out every day that we have maintained 
um, such a great team for as long as we have mm -hmm. um, that really, you know, are the backbone of everything we do. Mm -hmm. Right. So do you think it's, um, do you think it's also because it's just population size and you need more people to move to Aruba? I mean, I would think who would not want to get a job on a beautiful island? Well, we'll go into more politics now, but I think, yes, I mean, who wouldn't like to move here? I know there's a lot yeah. of people that would probably be open to that. One of the one of the challenges was getting the government to release the ability for work permits to be uh, accepted because during COVID, yeah. everything was, obviously they wanted to take care of their people, right? Yes. Our people on the island. So those that were here that maybe hadn't received their permit yet, they had to leave uh, during COVID because mm. you know, there's nothing for us uh, here for them. And, and I, I, that's a slow process. Uh, every government agency across the planet, I'm sure, it's not a speedy, efficient system, unfortunately. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Getting the permits and getting the people in, a little complicated, a little difficult. I think we're a little bit in a better position because I can go to an Upwork or wherever and find someone or a Fiverr and find someone who can help us because they're desperate for work as well. And I love helping others that can, you know, can get some revenue from us because we need that. But I don't necessarily need to worry about finding people that need to fill in because I've got such a strong team and it's a pretty healthy one considering what, you know, what we went through as well, not only did we maintain, but we also added. So I think, I think it right. put us in a better position. And it also is why I think automation is a great solution because if you don't have the personnel, we can automate certain things that allow you to be more efficient and not need to worry about those extra people. Sure. So could you give an example of that in the hospitality industry? Um, well, well, I can definitely give it from the, the Trade and Industry Association I mentioned earlier. Um, I have a meeting with them this week uh, with the director, and it's mainly to show them what they can do to, to do some of the things that we do on our side for them on their own. Mm -hmm. um, and, and it's literally the director and two people in this office that manage everything. Um, and I think by showing them this, it just makes life a little bit easier, well, for both of us, because then we don't have to, to, to maintain it. Um, but the hotels can, can, you know, win from this as well, because it's not something that somebody on their side has to physically always think about, mm -hmm. and something on our side that we always have to, you know, ask for, please, 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 can we get this information? So if the more we can automate, the easier it is for all of us. Um, right. One client in particular, uh, now, even though we've shown them how to use it, they literally just send us the content for their newsletter every month and we just pop it in and be done. Mm -hmm. So it still makes life a little bit easier for everybody because it's an automated system to the most part. They just have to email the contents instead of doing it themselves. Sure. Yeah. No, that's interesting. Um, and do you see anything that you think, like, is there a way that you think the hospitality industry should be changing based on everything we've learned kind of going through these last couple of years? that, you know, maybe that they're not so quick to, to, to be doing that's just well, really changed from how they operated beforehand. Right. Um, you mean related directly to marketing itself or sure. Just... Or like any way that you think, I mean, I just, um, what I've just been observing some ministries where, you know, some of them are just 
going back to whatever they did before. And the world has definitely changed. And so I'm thinking, well, I don't know how long that's really going to last. And whereas I see some other industries where they've really kind of taken the lessons from what happened, innovated, and now they've come out on the other side and like, we actually found better ways to do this. Or we've actually figured out, you know, maybe there's another new kind of horizon for us to kind of go into. So I was just curious if you're seeing that in the hospitality industry or more people are just kind of going back to, oh, okay, this is over now. People are traveling now. We're just going to go back to whatever we were doing before. Well, I, 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 I can answer that in two ways. One is, I think a lot of it comes down to the people that are there, right? Mm-hmm. So whoever was GM and manager and so on and so forth, whatever their mindset was before, hasn't changed a whole lot when it mm-hmm. comes to that. Um, but I will also say, because we have another hotel client that has really dove in, dived into the need for not, not just automation, but just making life easier also for their customers or their owners, their timeshare, um, and uh, putting things online now, with, you know, like your guest uh, comment card is now online where it was before. And it isn't so much about COVID and touching and the whole thing, which where it started. I think more now they're realizing, hey, this is actually easier, right? Because that data comes in now and it's a lot easier for us to do something with that data than mm-hmm. what they used to do where they would have a card that they literally have to and right. And then somebody would have to manually read and input or do something with it. Right. So I I think, yes, they are seeing that there is a need. Um, Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of that's driven from the market. The market's pushing back saying, well, if you're going to continue to be where you were before, we can also spend our money elsewhere. So Mm -hmm. I think that's going to force some people to to change their mindset. But then you have people that are kind of hard set uh, we, and we have one client who was just, you know, he, he was the CFO, didn't like spend money. So this is, and he's now the champion. He's like, you know, whatever we can do, he's, he's all for it because I think he realizes how much more, um, uh, how, how it makes his life easier. Sure. Yeah, definitely. So before we go into our last question, tell us how we can get in touch with you. What's the best way if somebody's trying to find you? All right. Well, um, locally, if you go to Aruba ROI, which stands for return on investment. So ArubaROI.com is our, our local website. Um, we also have AROIMarketing.com, which is our website outside of Aruba. And just to quickly explain, it's, it's just easier uh, to use our U.S. company for clients that are outside of Aruba, just because of the currency conversions and the wire transfer fees and a lot of the back and forth. It's so much more efficient to do it this way. Um, so either of those websites would be an easy way to find either a phone number or a WhatsApp or an email address. Okay. Well, thank you so much for spending the time with me today and just showing us how you are breaking the marketing rules and thriving in Aruba and beyond. I think it's very inspiring. And I'm just curious, what do you think will be a disruptive marketing strategy or tactic this year? Like something that is going to break the marketing world for the better. I, I think the one thing that, um, and I've done this in, in years past, but I think this is the first time that I've really been disruptive, I guess, to our own strategy. And I think that, I think any business, marketing or otherwise, needs to do this more often. Uh, I think with the technology changing as quickly as it is, um, I mean, now with the AI and all kinds of different things going on, you need to be flexible, you need to be quick, but I think you need to be introspective. Um, and I think that's what we've done. We took last we typically get everything done by the second week of December and then we have quiet time for about three weeks. So I usually take that time to spend looking back and then figure out what we're going to do next year. Well, because of our, our 
team decision to expand and grow outside of you know, our borders here. The, the biggest thing was how can we be disruptive? Meaning what can we do to break our own mold? And I think a lot of people don't do that. Uh, especially in our, in our case, you know, you, you are here because of you, right? You're our client. So I'm doing what I'm thinking is to try to help you. Mm-hmm. A lot of times we forget about ourselves, you know, and whether it's time efficiency or, or just efficiency period and getting things accomplished. I think if you can look back at yourself and be introspective and try to break those molds that are not working as well as they should be, or just stepping out of your comfort zone a little bit so that you can actually try something new that you've been scared to do before, it doesn't kill you, right? Or as my wife says, if it doesn't kill you, it makes you stronger. So, you know, those are the kinds of things that I think most business people need to do a lot more of. Mm -hmm. And I think that's for 2023, that's for sure what we're doing. We are breaking several molds. We're moving in much different directions. So we're not looking to become the agency for you anymore. We're looking now to be more uh, slicing up, unpackaging our, our services and our products so we can scale more and actually help a lot more people than just, you know, one-offs. Right. Big clients. Well, thank you so much again for being so open and sharing, Ross. I really appreciate it. Now to those of you listening or watching, what do you think? Do you agree with Ross? Let us know in the comments or on social media and join me next time for another exciting episode. I'm Leanna Ling and thanks for listening to Breaking Marketing.